Hi, I'm Grace High. Hi, I'm Allie Gale. So, Allie, do you think it's important food companies label all their ingredients on the back of their packages? Hmm, that's a random thing to have on your mind. But yeah, I definitely believe it is very important. I mean, what would happen to those with allergies if they were not provided ingredients? They would have no idea if they could eat it or not. Your body is your temple, therefore, wouldn't you like to know what you were putting in your temple? A pretty easy answer to me, huh, Grace? You would think so, but it took an awfully long time for people to come to terms with those arrangements. It wasn't until the 26th president when Theodore Roosevelt enacted the Pure Food and Drug Act in 1906. This act included a series of the first consumer protection laws. Wait, I think I heard about this. Remind me, were these the laws that were proposed because of the whole meat shenanigans? Like when butchers put paint and borax into old rotten pig meat to create colorful looking sausage? Exactly. Its laws are based off Upton Sinclair's disgusting novel, The Jungle. Is that what you were thinking of? Yes, I vividly remember reading about how the meat was marinated with dirt, sawdust, and spit from people working. Customers were unaware of these problems, and the butchers refused to tell a soul. They were greedy and did anything to put the extra cash in their pocket. I know, it's so terrible. Said from Sinclair, butchers disguised their harmful rotten meat as fancy intriguing meats such as California hams, which were actually the pig's shoulders with big knuckle joints and nearly all the meat cut out. Oh, so gross. The poor customers. How'd they not die from this? They did die. Not all of the customers, but a large portion. I guess you had to be lucky to survive these horrendous conditions. Definitely. When did people start to realize things in the food industry were not okay? Hmm. I guess you couldn't define a specific moment, but I would say when reformers began to get their two cents across. Reformers like Upton Sinclair? Yes. That and others like Alice Lakey. Wait, who is Alice Lakey? She was an American reformer who gave lectures to the common people about the dangers of impure foods. Oh yeah, my grandmother once told me that she was at the St. Louis Exposition in 1904 with many American reformers trying to change what is put in artificially colored food. Was Alice Lakey there? I believe so. So what else did your grandmother say? It was 1904. I was in St. Louis with some of my friends. My friend, Carol, had just become a widow. Her husband died after eating a sausage from Angelo's butcher shop. We had heard talk amongst the town common people that many others were becoming sick after eating from Angelo's. I grew very curious very quickly. I went into the shop for the next few weeks inspecting the food. From the looks, it seemed delicious. I was concerned, though. Something was wrong. The following day, Carol and I went to the American Reform meeting and watched Alice Lakey's presentation. She had the same sausage ordered from Angelo's that Carol's husband died from. She was showing hundreds of people their mischievous tricks they played on us. Alice was able to extract clothing dye from the sausage Angelo was selling to hundreds of people. I was distraught. How could someone do that to us? From then on, I knew something had to be done. Me and Carol attended weekly reform movements and sent several letters to President Theodore Roosevelt. It took a while for immediate changes, but once Upton published his incredible, terrifying story, The Jungle, things began to move very fast. Within his story, thousands of American citizens were revealed the truth about the meatpacking industry. Upton told us we, what, we had, what we had been questioning and much more. The meats had been placed in sawdust, spit, and borax in paint to be sold to many innocent human beings. Myself, along with the public, was demanding changes. We were not accepting the meat industry to lie to us. We ordered Roosevelt to, cha- to create changes. He finally listened. Roosevelt sent the C- Secretary of Agriculture, James Wilson, to investigate the conditions in the packing house. I saw him walk into Angelo's with despair. The meat industry was crazy. 
Returning to the president, he said exactly what we had been dealing with. I saw meat shoveled from filthy wooden floors, piled on tables rarely washed, pushed from room to room in rotten box carts, in all of which processes it was in the way of gathering dirt, splinters, floor filthy, and expiration of tuberculosis and other diseased workers. Finally, what we were getting what we deserved. Carol and I danced in the street as the two protection consume, of consumer acts were made. First was the Meat Inspection Act, which required federal government inspection of meat shipped across state lines. Second was the Pure Food and Drug Act, which forbade the manufacture, sale, or transportation of food and patient medicine containing harmful ingredients. The law also required that containers of food and medicines carry ingredient labels. At last, victory was ours. Wow, I can't believe your great-grandmother had to go through that. Pretty amazing story she experienced, though. I know. Do you have any family stories like that? Hmm, the only thing I can think of is when my dad told me about his grandfather, who was, who was a miner. He, he went on strike along with 1,500,000 other miners demanding they be paid more. One of his dear friends, Gladden, wrote a petition that was signed by many and later sent to the White House. The petition read, You can speak as no one else can speak for the plain people of this country. Every working man knows you are his friend. No capitalist of common sense can imagine that you are his enemy. In disagreement, many of the conservatives during this time begged Roosevelt to send U.S. forces to force the strikers to back down. Because Roosevelt felt this was injustice, he urged the two sides to accept arbitration, which is the process by which two opposing sides allow a third party to settle a dispute. At first, many remain, remained quiet and opposed this arrangement. However, as winter approached, Roosevelt threatened to take over the mines. In doing so, the miners agreed to take part in this plan of arbitration. Within five weeks, the arbitrations made their decision. They gave both the miners and the mine owners part of what they had wanted. The workers want a shorter workday and higher pay, but the mining companies did not have to recognize the union or bargain with it. This compromise later became known as the Square Deal. That is super interesting. Until now, I never even knew about this. So much has gone on in our country's history. It is so hard to keep up. I know. It really helps having old family stories to tell each other. The more we know, the better. I agree. Well, that concludes our broadcast today, and we look forward to listen listeners tuning in next Wednesday morning at 820. Thank Allie, you, Grace. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.